the podcast where we review books. Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, read and discuss young adult fiction from the past, present, and future, because we're going back to saying that, I've decided. Um, Cool. (laughs) Because sometimes we read sci-fi books set in the future. There, that's how it works. You mean one time? One time we read... No, we read a couple of... True. We've read at least two books set in the future. Yes. Um... And this week I read a book, so uh-huh. we all get to hear about us. And I I mentioned it in my in their bonus pod that we did around t- uh two thousand the books that we had read in two thousand nineteen. So any any new thing new or updates from you, Eva? Before I started, I mean I would like to just say that we're recording this remotely, so everyone be a little bit considerate of our teething problems because we haven't done a remote episode since our second ever episode which and went that, so badly that we decided to never do a remote episode again yeah but you know life has its logistics but um also because it's a remote episode i would just like you kira to know that i look really really good right now and it's a travesty that you can't see because it happened entirely by accident i just went for like a hike today with my mom and my partner and then got home and had a shower and like put on a flannel that I'd stolen and my hair is perfect I don't know how it happened I am delighted for you um thank you I also look amazing but it's it's just because I always do that's true that is true like I haven't I had a shower today so same z's but then I um then I just put on like a random t-shirt and some sweatpants. It's just, I haven't left the house, to be honest. And you look amazing. <laughs> I do. I always do. It's, it's a sad So trope. like lis- listeners, keep in mind as you're listening to this podcast <laughs> that you're listening just two extremely attractive people discussing the Ren Hunt? The, the Ren Hunt, yes. Tell me about the Ren Hunt. So the Ren Hunt is written by Mary Watson who is a South African author. And she's also a character in uh, Sherlock Holmes. There is a, there is a Mary Watson in, in Sherlock Holmes, but this Mary Watson is a South African author. She has won prizes. She won the Kane Prize for um, African writing. And in 2014, she was named on a list of writers from sub-Saharan Africa, aged under 40, um, with the potential and talent to define African literature. That is a big, big piece of praise. Yeah, it is. That's, I'm, I'm really glad that we have an African author because one of the things I requested when I was requesting a December book and didn't actually get any recommendations for was an author from the Global South. And I also did realise that we haven't had any african authors to my knowledge on the pod so far so Mm -hmm. this is good yeah no she's uh she's pretty cool and also this is a double hit because it's also an irish book because in 2009 she moved to galway and this book is set in dublin and that uh, and the surrounding areas and relies a lot on irish uh folk myth cool cool so yeah um yeah no so that's kind of she has some previous books she wrote um she has a collection of short stories which she published in 2004 called moss and then she has an adult novel which is a thriller that is the cutting room from 2013 but this was her first when was it she won her prize about defining african literature that was 2014 so shortly after the cutting room Cool, cool, cool. So this book hadn't come out at that time? No. So this book came out in 2018, and then there's a kind of a sequel that came out in 2019 called The Wicker Lice. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you remember when we did Skullduggery Pleasant? I do. And I read three books, and then I was like, I don't want to talk about the plot, I just want to talk about the universe. Yeah. I have a similar feeling about this book. (laughs) Um, But except you didn't read the sequel? I have also read the sequel. <laughs> okay, so we're getting a fun bonus pod where we get two books in one. Um, mostly because 
so there's two rival fraction factions in this book um mm-hmm. and one is called the augurs and the other is called the judges and the first mm-hmm. book is told from the point of view of the augurs and then the second book takes place after the events of the first book but you get it from the point of view of one of the judges so you learn like the histories and motivations of the augurs in the first book and they're just like the judges are so mysterious and i don't know why they are doing the things that they do because we don't understand their ways and in the second book the the judge character is just like let me explain all the ways we do things because i am a judge so i'm just doing my everyday stuff um and the and the augurs are so weird how do they work and i'm like i know i read the other book interesting i think i've heard that described as a side quill but it's yeah. actually it's after as well yeah so it follows kind of like it starts about three months after the events of the previous one i think and then and it just goes from there so like stuff that happened in the previous one are mentioned it's a, one of the side characters from the first book is the main character in this one and there's also a new character that's introduced um, mm-hmm. who is also a point of view character and she doesn't have any magical powers so she's just uh, an everyday Joe like you and okay, I. Okay I think I'm going to need a little bit more context about the world of the books because you've just said magical powers for the first time. Yeah. Uh, yeah cool. I did that. <laughs> so in terms of like genre it's kind of I'm mostly going to talk about in terms of plot and everything I'm going to talk about the first book but I'm Mm -hmm. definitely going to throw in some like details that I learned from the second one because I also read them quite close together so I'm like I can keep the plots separate but some of the information that I learned in one I'm not really I can't listen like I I can tell you things about the judges that I shouldn't know from the first book because I read the second one. So perhaps listeners should proceed with a bit of a spoiler caution if they want to read one of the books and not know what happens in the next one. Honestly, I think have the information revealed. Yeah, um I think that the way that I've planned out how I'm going to talk about this, I think that spoilers aren't that big a deal because I'm not really okay. going to go into the plot too much. Um because the plot was it was well paced and it was really good but also the book itself just like changes genre as you go because at the start Mm -hmm. you're like this is a mystery and then you're like oh look at this it's a bit of a romance and then you're like this is a thriller suspense and it just like goes like that and you're like what it's really cool and both books do that (laughs) i don't know how but it happens twice in the same pattern or different um I like kind of like didn't even notice it was happening until like I had stopped reading where I was just like oh oh the, the, the I was like how would I describe this book and I was like it just keeps changing and also it's fantasy because it's all to do with ancient magic in Ireland how would I describe this book I don't know it was good it was it was very good um good. I found some there's a couple of action scenes and I found them a little bit dense to get through just the is it like very tightly choreographed so you know too much about exactly what everyone's physically doing it's nearly like the opposite it's like vague like the the, the character who's describing it will get like into one detail but then you're like but how did how did we get to where we are because you've described it as like into you've described it too imagery for like actual visualization for actual visualization of action so is it like uh um is this like a magical battle scene or a physical battle scene all the battle scenes are physical okay so then there's i I was going to give the author some leeway if it was to be a magical battle scene because it could be very hard to portray that but Mm. if they're just a person with a knife stabbed me in the leg it hurt real bad there i wrote an action scene (laughs) (laughs) hemingway would love it it could just have been it could have been partly me but i found that i had to like reread the action scenes like at least twice just to be like okay wait i don't understand come back here Mm -hmm. um i was just like i have to go back and reread that because i got a bit caught up in the action and now i don't know what happened okay um so plot wise I think we're going to head in just a little bit and I'll give you like an understanding of what happened, what's happening and some of our characters. 
Mm-hmm. My mic fell over. And some oh. of our characters. Are you okay? Did you get her back yet? Yeah, no, I got her back, but then I started laughing at just the concept. Of the mob, like someone listening to the podcast and it gets further away. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, we fell out of your ears. Listener, please. And having to rescue my mic because she fell over. So we're intro- when the book starts, we're introduced to Ren, who is our point of view character. And she is an auger, which is one of three classes of magical beings from ancient Ireland. And it's passed down through the bloodlines. Mm-hmm. And everything was going great, okay? So you had Era 1, everything was yeah. great. And then you had Era 2, which we're currently in. And in that, everything went to crap because the, because the fractions started infighting. And so the factions were the augurs, which Ren is in, the judges, which... Um, are the other characters and the bards and the bards have now like died out there are no more bards we believe we need them them. Uh, so there's no bards um and we don't actually meet any bards in in the two books but there is one character who is like magic adjacent and one or two of the characters are like could he be a bard he couldn't be a bard because there are no bards but how does he know so much but it's like a bloodline thing. Once you get a few generations out, everything's so diffuse and someone's had an affair for sure. Like you can't you can't know for sure that yeah. there aren't any. Yeah. Um and then so the augurs the the way that their power works, it's predominantly that they see patterns. Oh yes. Sorry, an augur is someone who predicts the future by looking at a pattern. I've just remembered that. Yes. So they see patterns bird entrails. So as you, when you turn 16, everyone, when you turn 16, that, I'm sorry. So if you are an auger, then you will develop your power. And the way that they can see it is like, so you see, you see the future in patterns, but depending on what kind of way you see it changes, like how reliable the information is. And also, so some people can see the patterns in the clouds. Okay. Okay. And that's, and then, and then they can tell the future from that and they get, they get future visions from that. And other people see it in like animal entrails or in egg yolks and stuff like this. And tea leaves, et cetera. Tea leaves, et cetera. But like you are primed for one kind of pattern, pattern seeing essentially. It's not like you can just see patterns everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so presumably then when an auger from an auger family comes to about 16 their family take them to like an allergy testing studio except it's for looking at different patterns it's not no so if your power hasn't like emerged by the time you're 16 it won't emerge okay so there's I was a gonna say my main comparison point for this would be the Skullduggery Pleasant books mm-hmm. being also modern magic-y stuff in Ireland. Is So it's, there's no like late waking up. There's no like bards, for example, could just be people who hadn't figured out that they're magic yet because they hadn't learned about magic. Yeah. No, it's, you, you should know by the time you're 16. Okay. So there is Harry a Harry Potter rules. Harry Potter rules. So there is uh well no, in Harry Potter you have magic ingrained and if nobody teaches you then you would go insane. But like the fact that um, <laughs> Neville's grandmother threw him out a window trying to get like a a sign. Yeah, that's child abuse. <laughs> yeah. I'll be very it's concerned. Bad. It's a bad book. Um, it's fine. And it was his granduncle, not his his grandmother. Um just you know thank you for saving us from the tweets from our very engaged listeners one second my mom tried to call me okay um Mm -hmm. so it's it's just that like if you if if you are if you turn 16 and you don't have a gift then you don't have a gift like it's not you're not going to find it after that point is the impression that i got 
And you can be born into a magic family and not have the magic. Yeah, it's it's kind of dying out. They're becoming rarer, partly because like some of the families aren't practicing the old ways. And if you don't practice the old ways, then you won't... Like it is, it is something that you have to learn, even if you are innately, if you have the innate ability, you still have to learn it. That's kind of like skullduggery. Yeah, it's an interesting combination. I'm always really worried about that framework of magic being genetic because it can get so eugenics-y with Mm. like diluting the bloodline. Yeah, no, they don't seem to be concerned about diluting the bloodline. Like there is a lot of like, a lot of the characters are dating each other. But it seems mm-hmm. to be more that it doesn't they know each other. They yeah, out. it's it's uh, I'm 17 and have limited exposure to other people. Look at this other 17 year old who is in my friend group. Um, they don't go to school. They do. They go to school, but they kind of just hang, hang out. Uh, we don't okay. see them going to school because our the main character is um, finished school. But we like I know that I know that her her next door neighbor who is kind of like her half-sister, does go to school. Um, And she's approaching the age six. She's 15 and approaching her birthday and has not yet got her gift um, and is quite concerned about it and is like... When you say kind of like half-sister, you're gonna have to give me more context. (laughs) So Ren is being raised by her grandfather after her mother, who was quite troubled and had her um, unexpectedly kind of just up and left one day Mm -hmm. after stealing some family heirlooms she got up and and just left the baby with her grandfather Uh with the baby's grandfather Um, and then the grandfather moved them to this place in the middle of nowhere which is judge territory Uh and other augurs have since moved into the area on the DL in order to there's kind of like a secret war going on so they're like rallying troops in this in this judge territory so that they can do a surprise attack in the future are there normals living here as well yeah there's also normals it's predominantly judges and augurs but the judges don't know that the augurs are living there and the augurs do know that the judges are living there so the judges just think that the augurs are all like normals yeah yeah cool um there's also like a big class divide because the judges have a lot of money and power and the augurs are all like broke and are the augur so the augur community is quite close knit and so ren has this half sister just because she grew up next to her no getting back to that so one of the families that moved in is maggie and her kids and she has two girls ashling and siebel um and the grandfather and maggie are kind of together but not entirely together and will often like sleep over at each other's houses but it's nothing official blended family yeah blended families blended family so like ren is is like maggie is the closest thing to a mother that i have and ashling is my absolute best friend and she's absolute best friend and she is like a sister to me and they are often just in each other's houses all the time mm-hmm. and they live like next door so they are kind of a blended family but at the same time two separate families yeah like at the same time these guys have not made it official yet yeah yeah there's been no beautiful wedding ceremony where like the kids from both sides of the family are like the bridesmaids or anything no cool because that's not for everyone it's not how they're doing this thing Mm -hmm. So when we start the book, we meet Ren and honestly, she's just like straight in there with like no context at all. She's like, I am going meeting my enemies with a peace treaty. And you're like, what? What are you doing? Um, Because so her name is Ren. Mm -hmm. And there is a tradition in Ireland that on the day after Christmas, you hunt a Ren the bird. And this is like come down through the years and now there's a tradition where people go out dancing and celebrating and collecting money for charity with an energy of a wren these days no wrens are harmed in general no wrens are are harmed except in her community there is a group of boys who think it's hilarious that her name is wren and then like chase her through the woods in order to be like it's our own little wren hunt on so St. She... Stephen's Day specifically? Because I would stay inside. 
On St. Stephen's Day specifically. So her grandfather is like, just stay inside and it'll all be fine. But previous years they have like, egged the house and stuff. This is terrible. Um, Can I also say, this year, because I already... I always knew of the Wren Hunt, Mm -hmm. but this year I actually tried to look up some of the origins of it Mm -hmm. in mythology, and there kind of isn't any. There's just this idea that the Wren is a traitor, and so you should hunt it. Like, in some localities they say that the Wren betrayed Jesus, which is clearly a Christianization of a previous myth, and in other areas they just say that the Wren cheated to be king of the birds, but there's just this general idea that the Wren is a traitor and can't be trusted and has done something wrong and there's no basis for it. There's nothing. That's really interesting because there is mm-hmm. there's a lot of reasons why multiple people in this book shouldn't trust Wren. <laughs> oh, does she like see the future in human organs or something? No, she has she has the worst power of all. So oh. it is considered like fairly bad and gross if your power is to see patterns in in entrails just because that's gross uh, mm-hmm. but there is her power is that she actually sees patterns in everything oh that's okay but that's bad but also because you see patterns in everything they can lie to you that's not helpful it's not is helpful. there any parallel to sensory overload here and sensory processing disorders possibly like there's a couple of times where she is like she's having breakfast and then some milks milk spills and she's like i got lost in the pattern of us and it's like she, she just gets really drawn into patterns in a way that she shouldn't do because there isn't it is a power that often leads the user to madness because they just see keep seeing patterns where there is no pattern, mm-hmm. even though like it still gives them some bit of information, but because there's so many patterns, the patterns can then lie to you. Whereas yeah, you get false positives, get false positives and things. Whereas like if you are a person who reads the clouds, then you have to like go out and read the clouds. You can't just by accident read a pattern there. Like you have to go and actively be looking for one. In the same Couldn't way. Couldn't she also go actively looking for one if she wanted and kind of refine herself on one method? Or would that work? Doesn't seem to. They they are very they really don't want her to learn how to read the patterns. They they are like it it will just what will happen is if you learn how to read the patterns, then you will see more patterns and then you will you'll just keep seeing more and more patterns. So you should just not participate. There was a guy in some circus in Europe in the 20th or and or 19th century whose power was that he could like memorize everything um but then it kind of started to break his brain because he would have too many connections in his head like if he saw something green he would think of all of the green things he could remember and all of the green things he could remember was every green thing he had ever been exposed to so It was hard to, like, remember that his wife's eyes were green or whatever. Sounds like a similarish thing. Yeah, it's just, it's just too, it's just too much, really, as a power. Which leaps back to sensory overload, because I believe that guy was on the autism spectrum, though, of course, early 20th century, you do not have confirmation of such things. Quite possible. So that's her deal. And then... And also she's hunted for spores. And also she's hunted for spores, which really, like, doesn't really come back up, but does send, like, this really, like, eerie feeling throughout the whole book when you know this. Um, because the... Are the boys who hunt her judges? They are judges. And they, they're they ah, just okay. hunting her because her name is Ren. They're not, like, making any big connection to it. But she is, like, my people are hunted by these people and then they specifically target me. Ah, bad vibe. Part of it. So the book starts with her trying to give them a peace offering and basically being like, here is a basket of food. We are adults now. Can we not do this silly thing? And they're like, "Eh, we're going to chase you to the woods (laughs) because we can. Um, And they steal some of her hair. I don't like the judges very much. Okay. Does the uh, context of the judge's point of view book give any 
any legitimization to their choices Honestly, here? I thought that it would because it is the ringleader for, for the judges is the person who is the point of view character, David, in the second book. So I was like, can you explain mm-hmm. this, David? And he doesn't. He does refer back to the most recent chase, which is the chase that we witnessed and when he took her hair. Mm-hmm. So when she tells the other augurs that he took her hair, they, they're like, that is how judges mark someone for like assassination like if they take your hair Mm -hmm. that means that they are set out to kill you but Ren is like I don't think David meant it in that way because he doesn't know that I'm an augur so he'd have no reason to want to name me for death but that's still uh, don't like it Um, and in the does David in the second book it's because the way the judge's power works is that they supposed to be like the the, the creators of rules um what they do is they basically like put an idea out into the world they put a mm, they put a spell they put a spell on the whole world kind of they kind of put like a prediction out if that makes sense okay um these are interesting opposite yes powers. but their 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 power works by as they're going through their lives like this word will come to them like through it through a feeling and then that word has to be put somewhere and the word will like give you a material that it wants to be in like you have to like feel the word and then what material it would go in so at one point the word mm-hmm. he he feels a word and the word wants to go into like leather and so he he's driving his car so he puts this into the steering wheel of his car and then he like cuts it cuts out some of the leather from that later and while he was doing the Ren hunt with Ren, he got like a word and the word wanted to be put in hair. So he took her hair. So that's his motivation at the time. Ooh. But then he, she goes back to the augurs and they're like, this is really bad because that means that he has sentenced you to death. Is is it is that a thing that they believe or is this a stereotype that the augurs have about judge culture? Um, I don't get any confirmation either way that it's true or not. Um, The augurs know very little about the judges and their ways and the judges know very little about the augurs and their ways as a whole. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the way that the the judges use their magic is they have a collection of words and they put them together and then they ask for something using them and that's called a law. Like the fridge magnets. Like the fridge magnets. That make poetry. And you can't like change the meaning of a word, but you can like manipulate the meaning and stuff. So mm-hmm. I can't remember any of like the the laws that they set down. But our main character basically at one point is just like, "Let everything be okay," which is really vague. Um, and he's aware that it's really vague, and he's like, "It's not the greatest law," um, but I have. You should have like a minimum. You need a minimum of five words to make a law and ideally you would have seven and then after if you have more than that it starts getting messy because there's too many words being incorporated and stuff like this it's still not i'm counting on my fingers eight that's four words like it took me a while because i was like is everything one word no 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 so the words that you have don't it's that you have words like love strength bravery things like this and then you manipulate the meanings okay. of those I words he just into occasionally the law. got like the word everything and it was like i want to be written in no air. no it's that they it's that the words no. themselves like are kind of vague just statement words and then and then mm-hmm. you use those live laugh love live laugh love and then you use those in order to to make a meaningful spell of some source and there's also you can also do rituals mm-hmm. so the the plot of the first book is that the augurs ha- are sending in a spy which is Ren into the judges in order to gain more information about them and also they want to they want to do a ritual that will they also do rituals um one of the ways that they get their powers is that they draw from the Nemesis stones, which 
is what part of the reason why the judges are so powerful is because they have a lot more access to these stones than the augurs have because they are rich and they have bought lots of land in which the stones are are on and therefore can protect them okay because i was gonna say i i was just gonna ask is part of why the bards died out like they didn't have access to these stones maybe yeah partly like there's this there was this war that went on between all the fraction factions and we don't get a lot of information about us but they were attacking each other's um, Nemesa stones, which meant that their powers dwindled. Mm-hmm. And within this book, they start doing that again. And it's really easy to do. You just have to, like, graffiti them. Like, you don't have to destroy them completely. That's... Because they're just, they're tied to, they're tied to the land. This is making me a little and bit so... sad. This is cultural warfare. It is cultural warfare, and they're tied to the land, so when, like, the normals, like you and I, the regulars, come and build a housing development where there used to be an amenta, that also weakens all the powers, which is why it's so important to own the land around us, not just the item itself. Seize the means of magic production, oh my god. I'm so mad. So, Please stop with the structural yeah. class issues around magic powers. And so that... So one the one of the reasons why they want to send Ren into the judge's lair is so that she can help find out how to do this ritual where they will then make a new way of of giving the Namasa's new strength mm-hmm. essentially. And they're also hoping that they'll find a way you can to tie yourself to a Namisa, you have to like do this really long 60 day ritual where you keep going back to it and back to it and back to us. And they're also hoping that they'll find a faster way of doing that in part so that they can like rob some of the, the judges, Namadas, because there is a, li- there is a, a set amount of them currently. Mm-hmm. They're hoping to find a way to make more, but they're also like, okay, if we can't do that, it would be helpful if we could steal them faster. Okay. And and so there's all these things like this. And a lot of it is just like having this really big connection to nature. They're all hippies. Yeah. So Ren has to go and infiltrate the judges group, but they decide that it's going to be Ren and not Ashling, which is another girl around the same age, bit by doing a ritual where they're like, we will let nature decide. Okay. And like parts of that is they they go out they set up the ritual and they are like we are going to do five tests and whoever is chosen three times will be the person who does us and then it's like we will we'll see who the birds choose and then they sit under a tree until someone until a bird lands in that tree and that person has been chosen um okay there's a thing like we'll throw a rock at you you stand far away and one person will throw a rock and who on whichever person the rock lands nearest to is the person that is chosen and see these do sound like old trials like yeah back in the day they used to do like trial by fire and trial by combat and part of the idea was god exists there is a just universe and god will choose the person who is good so I guess they're working from the same standpoint only instead of God, the magic? It's the magic and like the nature and and all of this. And then and that's kind of that's how the the augurs work. It's very nature based and very Why were Ashling and Ren the two people put forward? So the way that they're going to infiltrate the judges is through an internship internship program. Okay. And it's honestly unclear how they like we're like it'll be either one of you two one of you will just show up and be the intern is honestly the impression that i got and i was like surely there is an interview process you can't just show up but these people are all fortune tellers so i guess they just knew i guess but like that is unclear how that like went about because it seems like there's this long process to become the intern and then last minute they decided who the intern would be i hope they did the mary poppins thing where they just summoned a big wind to blow everyone else away. Perhaps. So the judges have um, a lot of money and influence and the, the leader of the judges is called Cassia and, and she runs a foundation where they're going to be going through 
a lot of papers and stuff which lead which from previous judges and they need an intern and this is really great because now Ren can like sneak in and learn stuff from those papers and then sneak it but- back to her people because they don't kn- they don't know that she is she's an auger they don't know that she's the enemy they think that she's just some outside person who needs an internship okay but correct me if i'm wrong but mm-hmm. isn't ashling the one who also hasn't developed her powers yet so you've got the two options they have are the one who has too many powers and the one who has no powers do they have no other young people in this community i am going to correct you because you are wrong ashling okay. has can read people and see and specifically she can read them to know how they are in terms of illness okay and she uses this a couple of times to be like um Ren's grandfather is like his blood pressure is way too high and stuff like this and she's she is kind of really annoyed that this is her power because Ren wanted this power and Ashling got us and Ashling's real annoyed about it because she doesn't want to be a nurse or a doctor or anything and it's a really good power for people who want to help in those ways because you can look at a person and see a lot of the illnesses that they have and then you can like run the tests and everything and be like I was correct with a little bit more precision without having to do that faffing about initial stage yeah cool so she works reception in like the medical center in town she could be like the world's best diagnostic specialist she could be house yeah it's weird but also like everyone just needs to have a job you know true true, capitalism still exists even with magic yeah i know because the judges own all the goddamn magic stones it's terrible that's true well i mean the judges also have jobs it's just that a lot of them have jobs where they work for themselves like cassia has set up her own foundation so she works for herself and then herself and then loads of the other judges work for her as bodyguards how closely are they keeping a secret that they are you know magic completely how are they gonna get an intern in if they were to look at because they're not working magic and she's not supposed to be like reading them in depth just like going through and sorting them and stuff doing a lot of admin things okay i guess and also they're part of it is that they're like we're looking at these old legends and things like this there's this really a lot of the book centers around this legend that there was a girl who comes from the town that they're in who fell in love with a prince and then became a flower and a lot of the book centers around mm-hmm. her and her the artwork that she did and the diaries that she left and we later learn that she was she was very special that girl because she was born of an augur and her father was a judge and she possessed the powers of both which is very unusual because normally if you have a mixed child that way gross um they they just take after one parent Mm. interesting so is that a clue to what's happened with it our is, girlfriend? Yes. Because does she find who her dad is? We we do learn who her dad is, and her dad is a judge. <laughs> well, how, what are her judge powers then? Does she get to do? We them? we don't see her using her judge powers. We just find have her discover that she she doesn't use them because she doesn't know how, essentially because. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh, this does make sense of, like, different things in my past, but I don't know how to use them because nobody has ever taught me, and I found this out right at the end of the book. So, okay. Okay, um, cool. It is, she's not really in the second book, but um, we do learn that she is, like, learning how to use her powers and learning, like, the so history the of So the second stuff. book... Okay, cool, because... So she already had an in with the judges when she kind of figures it out, but I presume there's some conflict between her and the judges first. So she can't just immediately be like, hey, I'm your long lost niece or whatever. Help, please. Yeah, it's really complicated. Um, And it also turns out that Cassia knew who she was from the stars. So so Ren is like, I was being super sneaky and nobody knew anything. And then Cassia is like, actually... I knew I knew that you were she's been looking for a girl like Ren and didn't necessarily um hmm? 
Just uh, so Cassio was just like free labor for a specific reason. Kind of. Um, I don't think that she. I think that they needed an. Uh, they genuinely needed an intern, and then it just happened that the intern that they found also served a second purpose. But mm-hmm. that purpose being. So I said earlier that there has been two previous eras of magic, and mm-hmm. Cassia has been looking for someone to bring in the third era which she thinks will she also believes will strengthen their magic so everyone okay. everyone who is doing politics in this book is trying to find a way to strengthen the magic because the magic is is dying in some is weakening, weakening mostly due to capitalism and just the destruction of nature is the goal of the characters in this book full communism now and is all the conflict them disagreeing about how to achieve it the goal of everyone in this book is more magic power now and them disagreeing on how to achieve it and who should hold us and some people think it's full communism no one thinks it's communism that's sad I I know this disappoints you like I thought some of the ecos there it might be good but mm. I guess um we get some climate justice stuff though right guys your planet's dying and your magic's dying in a clear metaphor there's a little bit of of climate justice particularly in the second one where they because in the, the the judges have like the judges have a much closer both of them use nature but the judges have a much closer one mm-hmm. because part of their thing is like they have totems in so the the augurs are like I am really connected to this method of pattern discovery and the judges mm-hmm. are like I am connected to this piece of nature oh I'm I'm like yeah 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 I get it so like they're are they literally like I'm attached to this piece of leather or like I am attached to the concept of trees the, so the concept of trees but also oak trees like Oh, like okay. so trees are good but the oak tree is my tree and the main character has like vastly disappointed his family because he is he's like insects are my nature but also this one specific really disgusting beetle is my true my true bestie oh I wish I could love him but I also know he hunted a random girl for sport um, if it helps he comes from quite an abusive home yeah, it helps. Um, predominantly emotionally, but also a little bit physically. That's very bad. And what age is he? Um, he is seventeen. Okay, yeah, eighteen. He can get some leeway. I like him, and I hope he has um, fun with his beetles and not with his family. Yeah, because the judges, like the judges, judge people. That's part of their thing, and. Like they 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 punish each other through like physical bloodletting. Uh, that's bad. That's it is bad. That's that's an outdated medical practice. Yeah, um, you get a lot more of that in the second book. In the first book, you just get Ren being disgusted to learn that someone is being like physically punished for a transgression, <laughs> which yeah, is not good. Very like, very accurate. Like disgust. You need your blood. It. It's an organ. Yeah, it's like an important part of like keeping a human alive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so like David at one point turns up at a hospital, turns up at a doctor's office in the second book, and is just like, "I need painkillers." And the doctor he normally sees, who is a judge and like understands the situation, isn't available, and he has to go to a normal judge. And she's just like, uh, "I'm not giving you these very." very big painkillers unless you tell me what happened unless like I examine you and he's like okay and shows her like a small part of it and it's like I got into a fight and she's like these are precision cuts and he's just like I got into a fight that's my story I am not gonna change it and she's like I have been trained in recognizing (laughs) abuse patterns and I'm gonna intervene on behalf of this kid no, because he's uh, 18 or 19 and therefore there's no one to call. Fun. Yep. And also the judges are like all in the guards. They are the power structure. Oh, I don't... Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Kind of like the vampires and being human. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly like the I will bring everything back human. to the vampires and being human. You bring it back to the being human, I bring it back to Harry Potter. We have our roles. We do. And just like the judges and the augurs. Just like the judges and the augurs. Kate being our bard, I guess, because she appeared once and gave us a theme song. <laughs> um, I kind of don't have much else to say i feel like i've said nothing about the book um but also don't have much i want to talk about the romance a little bit first did they get their rocks did the magic rock plan go good um i'm sorry that's as well as i can articulate it shall i try again see i don't want to give too much away because a lot of it is just being like why what is happening what is happening a lot of the book is just being like what is happening how is this going to rectify itself um, and you said there's an ominous, eerie, hunted feel to it. Yeah, the whole book is ominous and hunted because, like, she's gone undercover with these people who, in theory, want her people dead. And she is stealing mm-hmm. secrets from them and then giving them to her people. And there's this been, like, this this silent underground battle between the two clans for so long. And it's becoming more on the surface because they are attacking each other's more openly it's becoming more open and on the surface because they're attacking each other's um namists and that means that everything is just like heightened tension the whole time and she's really conflicted about what she's doing because and like the, the fact that she's bringing back information to her to her family from the judges because the judges have all been really nice to her and also one of the judge boys is her romance person. First, I know, I know, I know you want to get onto the romance, but first, can I ask, do the normals, like, notice these rocks and stuff going weird places and being destroyed and graffitied? Or are they just like, people do this to nature and it's bad? We never get a normal's point of view on this, so I don't know. Okay, cool. Um, I... I don't think that they are that aware of us. They're like, oh, someone graffitied okay. that old thing, but... Or someone cut down a tree, and that sucks, but it's not... Someone drove this very ugly beetle to extinction. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I don't think that the animals give them power, so as much as they're, like, akin to them. They're kinning? No, don't do that. That's gross. (laughs) As soon as I said akin, I was like, oh God, she's going to make a furry joke. And I hoped that you wouldn't, but you did not disappoint. (laughs) You just said they're akin to them. And I'm like, okay, so that's their kin. They're kinning. Yeah, but when you say it, it sounds gross. It is gross. It's, it's, clarify. It's, okay, so, um, some of the judges are some of the judges so so david his family mm-hmm. he's the insect beetle boy and that has like disgraced his family by by being beetle adjacent um and there mm-hmm. a lot of them are akin to birds and specifically ravens and they live in a place where there are lots of ravens and and the ravens like won't do what they say but they do um act as like a warning system if anyone who is not a judge or invited onto their land comes onto their land, then the ravens will like attack them and be really loud. Hey, so that's that's almost like reading patterns. Is this? <sighs> the magic overlaps. It's not, it's not. I kind of thought it was more like they can tell from the behavior of the ravens that there's someone coming. But if they are attacking, then that's a bit different. It's a bit different. And so the insects thing for David he he can't like control the beetles or anything but but insects will find him and he can ask them nicely if they will like help him out and then they can like decide mm-hmm. themselves if they want to do that so he can't control them but he can ask them and also the girl that he fancies in his book um keeps finding um the beetle that is his beetle um just kind of like around her a lot of the times and one of the, and she's like mm-hmm. it's weird and it's because like the beetle is like guiding him and being like mm-hmm. she is you can trust her essentially okay cuz they they're like guides yeah 
That's really cool and interesting. Yeah, um, there's a Goodreads uh, review of this book, which I don't fully agree with, but is also like not inaccurate, where it's just like, I found this so confusing, and I'm like, some parts of it are actually kind of confusing and very like visually described and it is difficult to then describe them to someone else but while I was reading it I was like oh this is so beautiful and lovely and it all makes sense and now I'm like but wait how did it make sense some of that could be the mindset in which you read it like if you just read it in a really immersive way and were just really enjoying it you weren't thinking critically yeah um but it it all just works and I've talked about this before on the pod where I'm like, oh, sometimes I want magic to be really explained and sometimes I don't. And this was a nice mix of the two where they were like, some magic just exists and we Mm -hmm. work with it and some magic I use and therefore know exactly how it works and like how I am channeling the magic in that way. And sometimes... And also, like, particularly in the Ren hunt, you have Ren being like, magic is happening around me, and I know that, but I'm not, it's not my type of magic, and therefore I don't know how it's working. It's like, I go around the world and I eat food, and I go to a shop and I order a food, and I don't know the exact food production chain, and I don't know where these people get everything from, so I'm just kind of trusting that it works, because I know it works. But then if I'm baking a cake from scratch, I know how to bake a cake from scratch. I've done the research, I've done it before. Yeah, that's essentially There's how it is. There's still bits I don't understand, but I know it, the process. Yeah. I'm like, I can make cookies, but I can't make a cake. <laughs> I yeah. If someone else made a cake, I'd be like, I understand the concepts of making this. But... <laughs> that's, that's what I say when someone gives me a birthday cake. <laughs> Like, thank you for the Actually, I understand this. <laughs> Basically, yeah. That's how it works, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, yeah, the, the romance. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets in a romance with Tarek, who is one of the judges and is one of the judge is one of the bodyguards for for Cassia, and he mm-hmm. he is just like trees are my friends and you don't want to be involved in this world and she's like ooh you don't know that I'm already involved in this world <laughs> um, Does he? he doesn't find out until the very end where she oh so eth- she's like conflicted about this romance as well because she's like don't get too close to him he's a judge it's going to have consequences and it can't ever happen and all of these things and then she's also like, but I do really like him and I think that he really likes me too. And and she and she's like, oh, but I'm spying on him. It's really bad. And she is like giving information that he gives her to her family. So she is a traitor mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, and then she's like, I'm not going to be I am not going to spy on Tarek anymore I'm gonna be honest with him about what's happening and before she does that she discovers something about him that makes her be like Uh oh no he is really really bad he is just like all the other judges he's not special in any way and so and then he discovers her discovering this um and then she gets she gets outed as an auger as a result and it causes all sorts of ruptures and that kind of leads to the final so does she read it did she read it like in a pattern no she physically finds she physically finds a thing can i ask what she finds his tools in order to torture oh people. yeah because that's their whole thing yep yep it's bad and then he he she is like she has found this this box in his room and is like oh no he he participates in this activity um and really the part of the reason why she didn't think that he did was because he is so young in terms of like Mm -hmm. everyone else but he's being like he's being like groomed to be the next leader person so he has to do it yeah and he finds her with the box of tools and is Mm -hmm. like i can explain and she's like i know what this is already and like and then it kind of leads to the final action of the book from there Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, so she doesn't really get 
a romance then do they kiss or anything do they have nice moments oh yeah no oh, okay. they kiss and they do they do they do be uh doing stuff okay. and he is also like hey cassia wants to like cassia is planning on using you in lots of ways and i think that you should get out and stop doing this internship and just return to your life mm-hmm. and she's like no i'm gonna i know that cassia is trying to use me and i think that maybe it's okay and he's like no it's not Anytime Cassia wants to use someone, it's bad. It's very bad. Um, okay. I, I, I want to say more things, but I'm also like, I want people to read it and I don't want to give away the story because a lot of it is everyone not having enough information. And I'm like, if I give you too much information, then you won't then enjoy it in too that much. way. Well, then maybe it wasn't a great book yeah. No, because it's the magic around it was super cool and interesting, and the universe in it was super cool and interesting, and I wanted to talk about that. It's also so super seasonal. Literally this time of year, because it starts on St. Stephen's Day, and then it continues over, like, the next three months. Cool. Well, then, is there anything else you want to say about the book before we get into our end papers? Which is a term um, I've just invented, but I think we should use it going forward. Cool. Um... I just want to say that it was really interesting to see Irish myths and mythology used in like a different way. Honestly, I and didn't... to create a different universe. Honestly, I didn't pick up a lot in that that was based on Irish myths, but I do know of the judges within um Brehan Law and I don't really know what else. Hmm. Um I think that the actual rituals that they do and the way that they use their magic ties in more to mythology. Okay. Um, and there's stuff about like individual people from mythology as well that I haven't really done. Um, well, she's also mostly it's nature. She's going into like old papers, so I presume some of those are mythology. Yeah, yeah, and people's diaries and stuff. Oh, cool. um, I love a nosy protagonist. I know it's her job, but. She is actually like I think that Ashling would have actually have been better for the job than her at being the for the job that they've assigned because she is so conflicted and so anxious about it the whole time. She does go back and give her family a lot of information, but she also like withholds a lot of information because she's just like, "Oh, I'm uncomfortable about the situation." <laughs> And I feel, I feel conflicted about it. So maybe I just won't tell them this information to the point where her, the, the, the leadership of, of her, of her clan, mm-hmm. um, like at one point like, we don't think that you're being fully honest with us. And they, they do this thing called a weave, mm-hmm. which is where they create patterns around you, like of sound. And sometimes it can be like really gentle and make you really relaxed and chill. And it's essentially like someone is really stressed and worried. So like I'll patter around them and I'll make a tip, tip, tip noise and I'll put the kettle on Mm -hmm. and I'll make all these gentle noises. But they do it in order to they do it at this time in order to make her like really stressed and like overstimulated so that she can't think clearly so that when they ask her a question she just has to answer us because she can't think up a lie that's a little bitch that shows that there are also problems in auger culture perhaps they don't do blood rituals but not great perhaps i haven't been clear both factions are bad both of them are being abusive to their children both of them are planning secret wars and like tactics in order to wipe out the other both of them like if i honestly think that what we're going to if there is a third book and i don't know if there if there is plans for a third book both books end where you're like that was nice i don't need to read more i'm interested in reading more about these people but i don't need to read more about these people like they're they the story concludes in in such a way that satisfied. you're like yes it's finished satisfied and then you're like oh there's more yes that 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 interests me if there was a third or a fourth book i would probably be interested in reading those too but i'm not like oh i have to i have to read another book about these people no cliffhangers no cliffhangers cool and so can i ask you i was just going to say that like i think that if there was a third book it would be about possibly the birds coming back or 
coming out from underground and being like the way in which we any of us have a future is by sitting down and talking and working in unity together so like the bards were just like chilling and with the normals the whole time or something yeah like I think that's or, or maybe one of the two characters like one of the, someone from the sets of characters that we already have would have this realization and make it happen um mm-hmm. probably red for symmetry but for symmetry it would be, I'd be good I think that partly I think that the bards not being around has thrown everything off balance yeah and they need to find a new balance yeah. which maybe it depends what it depends what story they're going for if they're going for oh you need to reestablish the ancient balance or we need to establish a new balance yeah and they've they the judges are all about like this new era that they have, they're trying to bring in um mm-hmm. so a new balance would make sense so kira tell me your highlight mm-hmm. low light and weird little sidelight I think my highlight was that everyone in this book has ulterior motives. Political. Mm. And I, in like, it was bad for our main character that everyone had an ulterior motive, but it was also very interesting. Mm-hmm. Particularly when it came to people that she loved and trusted because she finds out about their ulterior motives kind of late in the day and is like, what is happening? Because it Am I just a pawn to you? She is in a lot of ways a pawn to a number of people. Because mm-hmm. um, like her family from the very start is like, we're going to send you into this, into this lion's den. And then it turns out that they have ulterior motives around that that she wasn't aware of. And Cassia is straight up just like, I want to use you, but I will not explain why. Um... And Tarek love that in a boss. And Tarek is like, you bring such normalcy to my life, and she's just like, oh, but I am betraying you with every second we spend together. Um, Ashling and another guy called Simon, who is kind of being trained up to be the augurs' next leader, are also working like a side plot because they kind of think that they know what the adults are doing, and they don't like it, but they also haven't told Ren either they like they didn't tell ren about their plan and they didn't tell ren about their suspicions about the adults plan either it's a lot it's a Kira, lot it's a lot and you this was your highlight <laughs> this was my highlight it was just re- jesus <laughs> you like politics so <laughs> yeah i like politics it was really it was it was very human nature Um, And then... And what's the low light? My low light is possibly that parts of it are are underexplained. Okay. And could have been... It could have been clearer in what was happening at the time. Yeah, you mentioned how the fight scenes and stuff were. Yeah. Confusing. Um, And then my side light was probably Sybil, who I didn't like at all in the second book, but I loved in the first book. And she's just like this cool 15 year old who's trying to figure out her life, but also has a lot of pressure because her power hasn't come in yet. And what if it never comes in? And her mom is being real cool about it, but also her mom is putting loads of pressure on Ren, who isn't supposed to use her powers, to perhaps use her powers to see what Sybil's power is and if she's going to get one. Um, and Sybil is just like, I'm just going to go off and draw lots of lots of draw- like she she draws she draws comic books that's one of her things and i was honestly mm-hmm. like oh that will become her power and her it's power something yeah but at the end of the book it is like unknown <laughs> what her deal is okay because ren completely blanks out and does not help and she feels loads of guilt about cool. it that she has forgotten to help sybil um and maggie is honestly the worst because she she's like don't use your powers don't use your powers but what if you use your powers for just this one thing that helps me and my daughter out because we're really stressed about it and then at the same time we I have personally sent you on a mission which is really dangerous to find information about these people because we're spying on them in order to start a war and oh my god I can't believe that you didn't you didn't check in to see if there was any patterns or future future tellings about my daughter like I've put so much pressure on you in so many ways and you let this ball drop you're the worst and Ren is like I'm so sorry 
Oh, There's a lot of emotional abuse happening now that I say it out loud. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But Sybil was really cool. That's cool. That is cool. uh, I hope she gets out of there. um, Anytime she was on screen, I was like, I like this child. But uh, she has been very much absorbed into her family's machinations, so... Okay, okay. Mm. Well, that is 15s, I guess. She is, like, a little bit involved in moving the chess pieces around. Hopefully she grows out. Hopefully she gets out of it. Perhaps. Perhaps she will grow up and leave the small town. So that was our episode on Ren Hunt. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We will be back on the 21st of the month when I will be reading a book called... Johnny and the Dead by Terry Pratchett. The protagonist of this book is 12, so it's a little towards our younger bracket, but it's a really good book and I really enjoyed reading it. And despite the title, it's not very goth. So I hope you'll listen to me talking about it and you'll enjoy it too. Uh, Thanks for listening. If you want to get in contact with us on socials, you can find us on Twitter at ForeverYAPod or on Instagram at Forever YA Podcast. If you want to support us fiscally, you can do that on Patreon at Forever YA Pod. And if you can't or don't want to support us fiscally, you can just drop us a review or tell your friends about the podcast. We really like listeners and more interested people who want to engage in the conversation about YA books. So tell your friends if they're cool. If they're not cool, get better friends. Tell them okay see you in two weeks bye bye